0: What's going on, everybody? I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and this is episode 121 of the Adult Education Podcast. This week, I'm speaking with nutritionist and food blogger Marissa Moore. Thanks so much for checking out my show. If this is your first time joining the Adult Education Podcast, I sincerely hope that you like what you hear and that you stick with us. I would really appreciate it if you would take a second to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're using, and feel free to share the show with your friends. Word of mouth is easily the best way to inspire new people to check it out. Uh, Sorry for being MIA the last couple of weeks. I did have plans in place for new episodes, but uh, unfortunately, a couple of my guests had to cancel. I tried to scramble to get something together for you, but ultimately decided that it was better to take my time and get you a quality conversation instead of a rushed one. So that's what we've got for you today. We all know that we're supposed to eat our vegetables. It's a message that we've been hearing since we were kids, but... Most of us let them slip on by. I get it. I'm guilty of it, too. Life is crazy. It's a lot easier to stop somewhere on the way home and grab some food than it is to plan out a healthy meal at home. And some vegetables, I mean, they need special preparation. And who's got time for that these days? Also, over the last few years, as the plant-based trends have been taking hold, I feel like I've been seeing an anti-plants vibe taking shape. We know how people get. When you tell them they're supposed to do something, they want to do the opposite just because. I don't, I don't know why, actually. Just To be like, you can't tell me what to do, I guess. I mean, you even hear politicians making fun of people that eat kale. Why is that something they want to be focusing on? I don't know, but it is. So if you're going to die on a hill, don't let it be the fight against veggies. All right. They're so important to a healthy diet, healthy gut, and your overall health. Nutritionist and food blogger Marissa Moore is here to help us get those veggies back into our diets in a fun way. She recently published a book called The Plant Love Kitchen, an easy guide to plant-forward eating with 75-plus recipes. So what I love about this book is the idea that it's, quote, plant-forward. I've done the plant-based thing, and I'm planning to get back to it, but I know the idea of all or nothing frightens people. Marissa Moore builds recipes that are heavily oriented towards plants, But for those that don't want to give up meat, it's still there. And for the recipes that are all plant-based, she offers good alternatives for working meat in as well. I love that Marissa is a nutritionist and a registered dietitian because that means she knows her stuff when it comes to what we should be eating and what we should be putting inside of our bodies. I trust her, and I hope that you enjoy our conversation.
1: Hi there. Hey, great. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing today?
0: Oh, everything is fantastic. I can't complain. Spring has finally hit us here in Baltimore, so I'm very excited about it.
1: Okay, good. Well, we've we've gone back and forth. Today I think it's in the 80s. Yesterday it was in the 50s. So it's like
0: Yeah, are you still in Atlanta? Mhm. Okay, okay. Um yeah, we we had a similar thing recently. It looks like we're going to primarily be in spring temperatures at least. So I'll take it. Like you know, a little higher, a little lower here and there, but at least it's not do- dipping down to the 20s anymore. Like I can deal with 50s. I'm fine with that. Right. <laughs> Oh, Marissa, I'm very excited to talk to you about this book, The Plant Love Kitchen: an Easy Guide to Plant Forward Eating. But I do want to start with something else first. I want to start with salsa dancing because um, I hear you love it. I'm a terrible. I saw it on your website actually, uh, when okay. I was doing some research on you. I'm a terrible dancer. I am fascinated by salsa dancing. The way people's bodies move, in that dancing style. I just, I don't understand. It's like, everybody's Gumby. Like everybody could just move in every possible way. I can't figure it out. Oh, you need to take some classes. I've tried. It's funny. My, uh, my senior class in high school, we did a Spanish club trip to Puerto Rico and they put us in this like salsa dancing class in Puerto Rico and talk about putting a fish out of water, right? Like I I'm a kid from New Hampshire. I have no dancing experience. You're going to drop me into a salsa class in Puerto Rico. I am done for. I'm screwed. Uh, but it, it was, it's so much fun. It's such a fun dancing style.
1: It is. It's the best. I was just at a salsa event this past weekend. It's the best.
0: That's amazing. I got worried there for a second. That that was a lie on your website because you were like, where did you hear that?
1: <laughs> well, well, because I just literally come, came from a, a big event and I'm like, did I post something
0: about it? Not. <laughs> well, to be fair, I don't know much about you. So I'm really excited to talk to you about everything here. And I love this book. I love what you've put together here. And I'll tell you primarily why in a second. But I want to know more about you and your path and how we've gotten to this point. Um, I know one of the things I kept seeing on your website was you're a media dietitian. What exactly does that phrase mean?
1: Okay, so. Way, way back, I was a spokesperson for my professional association. And so that that meant that the media would reach out to me to mm. talk about the latest studies. So it could have been on trans fats or popcorn, any topic. And I was the spokesperson on their behalf. So that kind of started my career as a dietitian in the media. So I had regular a regular segment on CNN. And so different you know, uh, outlets would contact me to talk about nutrition. And so that's where it all started. And now I work primarily with um, food and health organizations to do the same kind of work.
0: I know food's always been a very big thing for you growing up in the South, you know, getting around with the family and cooking and all that stuff. But did you think your life would take this path? Did you think that uh, nutritionist, dietitian? do you think that these things would be the things in your future?
1: No, because I didn't even know that a registered dietitian was a thing mm-hmm. until I was around 19 years old. I always enjoyed cooking, um, I, but I was in school to become a chemical engineer at Georgia mm-hmm. Tech whenever uh, I learned that I really didn't like engineering. I liked chemistry and I liked health (laughs) and I liked science, but I did not like engineering. And my advisor, he said, well, you're always like, and this was way before it was cool. He's like, you're always like making smoothies and things in your dorm. Have you ever talked to this person who was a dietitian? I'm like, oh no, I hadn't. And I hadn't considered it. And he recommended that. And I'm like, oh, okay. I think I'll take all these chemistry classes and transfer him over here to this nutrition science program. And that's how that happened. I didn't even know it was a thing until I was almost a full-on adult.
0: It's funny, I had a, a similar path in that I went to college uh, as an astrophysics major. And while I was there, I, I started doing a college radio show because I just thought it'd be kind of fun to play music for people and hang out. Not really thinking about radio as like an actual career. Like those people just didn't seem like real people to me when you'd hear them on the radio in your car. And then I was like, wow, this is actually a lot of fun. And I I hate sitting in labs looking at star charts all day. I think I should make a, a switch. It's It's funny how college can really... They sort of detract you from one thing, but push you into the direction that you really find enjoyable.
1: Absolutely. And and that one was, I'm a very practical person and I had already taken so many organic chemistries and I'm like, well, what can I use mm-hmm. all of this for you know? And it just ended up being a really good
0: match. That's perfect. And I also love how you mentioned that it wasn't really a thing then, uh, because it does feel like over the last, let's say, five to 10 years, you started to hear a lot more about people in this profession. But prior to that, I mean, nutritionist, dietitian, these were not words that were part of the common vernacular.
1: Absolutely. And it's funny that you say that because um, my college roommate, she's like, yeah, you were eating kale before people knew what it was. People were just had it on the plate as a garnish. I'm like, yeah, I was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're the OG kale person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So uh, you're deeper in the trenches than I am, but I feel like with the rise of sort of plant-based or plant-forward eating, as we're going to talk about today, and and veganism you're hearing a lot more about. It. That's not what this book is about, but you're, it's becoming a much more common term that you're hearing. There's also sort of been a little bit of a backlash for those lifestyles, lifestyles of people eating more plants. Are you feeling that as well, or is it just something that I see?
1: No, it's not. It's not in your imagination. Um, it's interesting, right? So I've been working on this book for a few years, hmm. and um, I was approached to write the book. And um, I think because my approach to eating is very flexible uh, and that... So I don't know if you've learned this about me or not, but I was vegan at some point.
0: Oh, no, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. So I was vegan and then I was vegetarian. But the thing about me is I never really liked meat. So Mm. I was the kid who, when they served spaghetti and meat sauce, I was like trying to pick the meat out of the spaghetti. (laughs) Um, So it was that kid, Um, but where was I going with this? I am seeing that people are becoming more flexible. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say that there's necessarily backlash on certain things, but I am finding that people are seeing that it doesn't have to be one way. It doesn't have to just be vegan or, you know, this one way approach, all or nothing approach to eating. There can be some flexibility because really there's no reason to always restrict yourself. Now, keeping in mind, right? Some people eat vegan for different reasons. Sure. And that should be respected. And it's a personal choice for people with the way that they eat. So everybody has to make their own decision.
0: You just touched on exactly why I love your book and the work that you put together. And you have it right there in the front of the book. It says plant forward is not all or nothing. And this is one of my biggest issues with the uh, diet culture, if you will, or wellness community in general. It's that everything seems to be all or nothing. Like you're either all in or you're going to fail. Like there's no middle ground. There's no, oh, we're going to have a cheat day or whatever it may be. I love that you just put this right out there at the front. It's not all or nothing. Like we're going to find the right things, find the right foods that can benefit us, that we enjoy, and we're going to mix things up. It's okay. Yes. And
1: that honestly is one of is a, is a difficult concept for people to grasp because as a dietitian, I'm constantly asked, just tell me what to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, I want the good list. I want the bad list. And I'm like, well, sorry, I'm not going to give it to you. Let's find a meeting in the middle. What works for you? <laughs> you know, yeah. um, so that that's where I am. And, and, and it's a, it's a shift, right? Because when I started out as a dietitian, there was more of a focus on calorie counting and, you know, all of these things to restrict, But that hasn't really gotten us very far, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Just uh, an unhealthy obsession with food. Uh, But we really have to kind of, it takes a little time, but figure out what actually works for our own bodies.
0: Yeah, all the calorie counting, all those fad diets. I mean, you'd think after all these years of seeing all this media attention, the commercials, everything, that we'd be the skinniest country in the world and we're not. You know, it actually feels like we're going completely the other direction. And look, I'm I'm guilty of it. I love a good, you know, cheeseburger from now, from now and then. So I get it. Uh, but it's just, it, it is interesting. You would think with all the imagery that we'd be shifting in the opposite direction than where we actually are.
1: Yeah, but I think the evidence shows that we're absolutely not. Um, and so in the process, I think it's important to enjoy the foods that we eat, um, enjoy movement, uh, and find... Uh, the healthy balance for you. And that's where the book really does help because it's not like, like you mentioned, I think it's not for a person who necessarily is is vegan. It's actually not for them, but for a person who maybe just wants to add a little bit more to the plate, a little bit more plants to the plate, there's a place to start. And, but if you do want to become vegan eventually, the book can also work for that, too, because I give a recommendation for most recipes, not all of them, but most of them, there's like a vegan substitute Um in there.
0: Yeah, you give a really great background when you're putting these recipes together. I was looking through earlier trying to pick out some things that I'm I'm going to try to make at some point here, but that's been one of my biggest issues. I was plant-based for about a year, I want to say about 11 months uh, before the pandemic hit and that it was just whatever food we have we're going to make, we're tired, we're just sick of doing this. But preparation is always my biggest struggle when it comes to plants because every vegetable, everything is made a little bit differently. And it can be really difficult for the average person to try to navigate working all these different things into their diet. That's that's always been my struggle with working more vegetables into my diet.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, but I encourage people to find what's convenient. Um, you know, thinking about simple things like if we look at tomatoes, fresh tomatoes, very easy to make right but grape tomatoes are even easier Mm. right because all you have to do is rinse them off you don't have to worry about cutting them up or doing anything like that so thinking about what's going to work for the time that you have don't be afraid of canned chickpeas like if you want to buy dried chickpeas and cook them on the stove or in the pressure cooker that's great i've done that but you can also do canned ones and rinse them off, and save time. Uh, so looking at ways where you can incorporate convenience wherever possible, you know the bagged salad greens—they're—they're uh, they're, you know, you, if you buy them, you need to use them right away mm-hmm. because they don't last that long. So just knowing that, and then having plenty of like frozen produce available as well—it's already cut. <clears throat> so I love like keeping frozen broccoli. But the key is having those things on hand uh, so that you're able to build those meals uh, quickly and easily.
0: That's been one of the biggest things for me that I never really thought about before. I don't know why I had this impression of what frozen produce was all about, like frozen spinach, frozen kale, even frozen fruit. Like, I don't know why I had this impression of what it was, but I was like, I'm not going to buy a bunch of that. I'll just buy the fresh stuff. But I've been stocking the freezer with certain items, and it is amazing. Like you just said, to be like, we need broccoli tonight. I got it. I got it. It's right here in the freezer. I can make broccoli. We're set.
1: Yeah, and it's not like you can absolutely do fresh, but when people start talking about time, I'm like, okay, let's figure out how to make this work. And I think a lot of people like you have had that perception that frozen is not good, but it's actually just as nutritious as fresh. And in some cases, even more so, depending on where that broccoli came from. Mm. So, you know, if it's coming from long distances, it might not have as much vitamin C as the one that was quickly frozen at the source. So don't be afraid to include those. You know, um, my goal with this book and really with being a dietitian is really to empower people to eat healthier, easier, Mm -hmm. right? And to not feel afraid and to not um, have the worries and the sort of anxiety that comes around just trying to nourish your body.
0: I think that's what's great about, again, going back to plant forward is not all or nothing. It's not a stressful approach what you have. Like, if you want to add some chicken into something, okay, great. It's not about, okay, what can I put in here that's going to replace chicken or whatever? Like, it's just, it's very easy going with this. There's no stress with this one.
1: Exactly. And my goal was to try to make all the recipes independent of, you know, um, meat, with maybe the exception of the salmon with the roasted grapes. Mm-hmm. Because you know, if you take the salmon out, you're kind of left
0: with just like sure, (laughs) just roasted grapes.
1: Right. And which roasted grapes are delicious on their own, but you might want a little something more for dinner. Uh, but I did try to make the recipes so that they can stand alone. But like you said, like someone tried the um, there's a chickpea and rice soup in there. And mm-hmm. I thought about that. I thought about that in terms of something for a sick day. Right. Mm-hmm. And so with the idea, of like a chicken noodle soup kind of thing, but it's using chickpeas instead. But if you really like chicken, add it. It's perfectly fine.
0: I kind of wish, looking back, because we're always taught when we're growing up, you got to eat your vegetables. And we know there are certain vegetables with certain vitamins that are good for us. But vegetables play a much bigger part inside of us than I think many of us learned growing up. I mean, we've heard, again, going back to just more recent things over the last five or six years, you're hearing a lot more about gut health. And fiber and vegetables carry a lot of those things you need for proper gut health. I was never taught about gut health when I was in high school health class. Like, that wasn't a conversation we ever had. Uh, So I, I love that it's being had now. But, man, I'm just like, man. I wish we knew this leading forward so many years ago.
1: Yeah, so that is the thing. So when we look at the benefits of just plant forward eating, even a semi-vegetarian diet has been shown to help lower blood pressure levels. Um, when we think about eating and adding more plants to the diet, um, it might help to lengthen your life, um, but primarily because it helps to reduce or they help to reduce the risk of car- uh, like cardiovascular, heart disease, um, certain cancers. And yes, it helps with gut health. Um, the thing is, I mean, if it, if you've ever gone plant based, you probably noticed immediately a little bit of an upgrade to your di- digestive system. Sure, like,
0: <laughs> I can see it. nobody else can see you smiling. I can. I know what we're talking about, and I'm yes. right there with you. Yes,
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, that is what, like, I'll talk about fiber. Like, we could have a whole past uh, <laughs> episode on fiber. I will talk about it all day if you let me. But you know, adding those beans, the lentils, the All these um, vegetables is important, not just for fiber, but also enhancing your gut microbiome, Mm -hmm. which that goes into a whole other area. The microbiome controls so many different parts of our metabolism and um, our health. That, you know, having that diversity of different nutrients is important because you get different things from different plants, right? And the other side of that is a lot of times people ask, well, what what superfood do I need to add to my diet? And I'm like, all of them, Mm -hmm. not just one. Um, It could be broccoli, it could be sweet potatoes, uh, it could be cabbage and collard greens, all of them.
0: Diversity is, that's a big thing too. I'm glad you mentioned diversity because every vegetable, like you said, brings something different to the table, so to speak. So if you just get caught in a rut, like I know when I was on a a diet plan many years ago, it was like, okay, you're going to have grilled chicken and broccoli for lunch every day. And I'm like, are I'm eating the same thing every day. And at the time, like, I'm sure I saw some results. Was it maintainable? No, not at all moving forward long-term. But you look back on it and I'm thinking to myself, man, I only had broccoli all that time. But there are so many other vegetables that would would have helped with the different things that I was lacking in all the other vitamins that I was really lacking in at that time that probably would have made me a hell of a lot healthier.
1: Exactly. It's really about that. But that also keeps boredom at bay because I mean, I don't know how much chicken and broccoli you want to eat today, but after eating that for quite some time, it's like, okay, I'm good. On that
0: is true. The- That is true. You were, you were talking about, uh, when you would have uh, pasta, you would take the meat out of the sauce. I grew up with that. So now whenever my wife tries to make it the house, I'm like, just give me the pasta. I will just pour plain sauce on it. Do not cook any meat for me. I don't need it. Like I don't, I'm so over it from growing up with that in a, you know, lower income household where that was like the meal. Uh, So I am like, I can't do it anymore. Hello. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're right there with me. You're right there with me. I, I, I was talking to somebody not too long ago, and I, I think I made the comment like, it's fascinating how much the gut microbiome or the gut health and, and microbiome impact everything else in your body because it's in your stomach. And I was just surprised by that. And they made the point, it shouldn't be surprising because think about where your stomach is. It's in the center of your body. Everything essentially goes through that general area, so it's not terribly surprising that what goes on there is so vastly important to everything else that's happening in your body.
1: Yeah, the digestive tract is—it is, starts at your mouth and ends where it ends. And when we think about um, the gut microbiome, most of the the bacteria, the good bacteria that we're trying to build up, it actually lives in the colon and the and the small intestine. Yeah. So you know, there's miles of options there for, you know, the bacteria to sort of grow and change into what it needs to. So we always want to feed it good things. So adding in good sources of what's called prebiotics. So this gets into a whole other thing, but bananas and onions and uh, all of these things. So variety again is really the key uh, to a healthy gut, um, a healthy microbiome with all that diversity that you need. Um, I can't stress that enough because I I regularly hear people asking me specifically, what's the one food? And I'm like, mm-hmm. there is no food.
0: It's everything. It's all of the foods. And I, I was looking through your, your recipes and I have not memorized all of them. So forgive me, but there are so many of these recipes that include so many different things. Like it's not just three ingredients, which, which maybe to some people would sort of scare, not scare, but like make them nervous to make it like, oh my gosh, I've got to get all these different things, but it tastes delicious. And you're learning about how to put all these flavors together and you're getting the benefits of all of the things that come with these different ingredients.
1: Yeah. And hopefully it's not too overwhelming. I did try to keep, you know, ingredient lists as low, as light as possible when possible. But okay, well, I just opened up to the fully loaded breakfast cookies. Oh, of course, the
0: cookies. Yeah.
1: Yes. So I will tell you that this recipe was inspired by um, uh, a three ingredient breakfast cookie recipe on my website. Okay. (laughs) And that ingredient recipe had like just peanut butter, banana and oats. This one takes it up a notch. It's still using the mashed banana, mm-hmm. but it, peanut butter is using sunflower seed um, butter, some roasted salted sunflower seeds and dried fruit. Um, there are a couple other ingredients in there, but they're all pantry staples. Yeah, And so, so for the most part, it's a pretty easy one to pull together. And the beauty of that one is that you can make it like on a Sunday, and you can have them for the week. So it's sort of a one-done kind of thing. Works really well for the whole family because it's good in protein and fiber. And it eliminates the need to buy like snack bars that you would typically get from the store. You can still buy those, of course, but if you wanted to make them at home, that's a good one to start with
0: oats are a magical thing too which I never thought about prior to a couple years ago but oats are amazing and they're a great pantry staple to buy a bag of oats and kind of have them hanging around it's perfect.
1: They are absolutely magical they really are Um, they're good in fiber they also have a specific type of fiber called beta glucan which helps with lowering blood sugar levels or helping you to maintain it Um, they are one of my favorites those are that's one of the grains that I always have on hand and I usually have a couple different types to have the instant sometimes but all ways the traditional ones and the steel cut ones on hand, just for different time, times of the sure. year, um, for different applications. But I make there's also muffins in the book using oats. Um, so I love one of the things I love doing with my recipes is just sort of finding a way to elevate it just a little bit or make it a teeny bit healthier. And so with the blueberry buttermilk muffins, they're using oats for part of what would be flour. So you're getting that extra Mm hardiness and extra fiber in the muffin so that it's a little bit healthier, but you still enjoy it.
0: I like that. I want to shift a little bit off of the the healthier options and go to stuff that's a little more indulgent because naturally when I open up a recipe book, I go straight to the desserts and you've inspired me to, uh, to purchase a skillet because I need to eat these peanut butter and chocolate cookie skillet things that you put in Mm -hmm. here Um, back up page 218. It looks like in your book, it looks I mean the picture that's on the pre I I just makes my mouth water. It looks amazing.
1: Yeah. I loved making this recipe and I'm just like fondly thinking back to the, when we shot this photo, but yeah. It's like you have to enjoy it warm, you know, mm-hmm. put some ice cream on there.
0: The Cherry Almond Crisp, it's a couple pages later, also looks incredible. I mean, I'm always down for a good crisp, so you don't have to sell me on that. But this Cherry Almond one looks really good.
1: Yeah, so that one I think you will really enjoy. When we did the photo shoot, um, the... Um, Crew couldn't get enough of that one, and the fun thing about that one is you can do a lot with it. So I use like cherries and almonds, but you know if you don't have cherries available, you can do blueberries. You can mm. kind of switch it up. But that honestly is probably one of my favorite recipes. Okay,
0: well I'm glad I picked that one out. You mentioned photo shoot. Now I'm kind of curious. So you make all these things that are in the photos, then you guys just all share them after you take the pictures?
1: Yeah, for the most part. <laughs>
0: is it like how how long did this go on for? I mean, obviously it wasn't a one day thing, right?
1: No, it was it was many, many days. I wanna say eight. Okay. It's a lot of food, that's what I'm saying. It was a lot. It's it's a whole thing. <laughs> it is a whole thing <laughs> and a whole production.
0: I know putting a, any kind of book together is a process and it takes a lot of uh, your your mental ability to make that happen. A recipe book, I imagine, is very different in that you're trying to get all the ingredients down, trying to make sure you've got everything laid out. Uh, I, what was your favorite thing about putting this book together?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. So I developed all the recipes in my kitchen. And um Oh, what was my favorite part? It's hard because the recipe part was fun, but it was also exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> You're standing in the kitchen for days and days and days and trying recipes three, four times, and then they go off to someone else to test and you make sure that they're fine and you make them again. You know, There's a whole lot of back and forth. Um, besides turning in the final manuscript, which was probably my favorite part, um, <laughs> I would say doing a little bit of the research so even though i'm a nutrition nerd like i still i love like kind of digging into the details so like oh, okay i'm gonna have brussels sprouts in here what fun little tidbit can i share with people about brussels sprouts mm. um so that was fun i enjoyed that like coming up with the little love notes in the book yeah. <laughs> that was that was a lot of fun
0: oh that's amazing I, I i was telling my wife just the other night that i'm jealous of people like you that can think of a recipe or think of something you want to make and almost immediately know I'm going to need a half a teaspoon of this or a tablespoon of that. Like, Just have an idea of what you're going to need to break the flavor that you want with that. Whereas I'm like, okay, where's the book? I know I've made this 37 times. I still don't remember how much paprika I need in this recipe. I need to know or I'm going to screw it up. I, I just don't have the mental capacity, so I'm very jealous of folks like you.
1: Well, it is a process though, because when I cook at home and I'm just cooking for myself or a family, it's not, um, th- there's not that process. I just, you know, sprinkle the paprika. I don't sure. have to think about it. When you're developing recipes, you actually have to measure everything. Mm-hmm. So the scale involved. So it's very specific. So that part. Um, Coming up with the idea is fun and, you know, scribbling it out. But like the number of times I had to cross something out because, oh, well, that's not enough or I need to tweak this or that. It's not automatic for me. It was a process. For
0: sure. Well, I'm glad you went through that process because yes. I need some new stuff, and this book is chock full of amazing recipes and really good information. So I hope people check it out and add it to their uh, their library of recipe books. Marissa Moore, The Plant Love Kitchen: An Easy Guide to Plant Forward Eating. Where can people go if they want to find out more about you? They want to find out more about this book? Where's the best place?
1: Yeah. So The Plant Love Kitchen is available for. Uh, for pre-order through april 11th but then it'll be published on april 11th and you can find it wherever books are sold Uh, you can also follow me on instagram at marissa moore or visit my website to get more information marissa
0: moore.com marissa it's been a pleasure speaking with you thank you so much for your time i really enjoyed learning more about you through this
1: yeah it was so good to talk to you jeff thanks so much for having me
0: on big thank you to Marissa Moore for her time. Her book, The Plant Love Kitchen is available now wherever you get your books. Happy cooking. And thank you to all of you for joining me on adult education this week. I appreciate your time. My name is Jeff St. Pierre. Until next week, be well.